Amen. Wonderful. Why don't you uh, take your seats? Good morning, church. Everyone doing well? Good stuff. We got, um, well, I know we've got more than one person here for the first time this morning, but we got someone really special here for the first time. Isaac, two weeks old, is here this morning. Hey, he's doing the whole Simba. <laughs> Wonderful. Congratulations, Gunter and Amber. Um, on a completely unrelated subject, we have a crash um, that is open back there in case anyone needs it. Um, just say, not for me. I love it when babies scream all the way through my message, but some people don't like it. But if anyone does need the crash, then uh, there, there is uh, one through there. But congratulations, guys. And um, anyone else that's here for the first time that is older than two weeks, and so you can understand me, um, welcome. It is great to, um, to see you today. I've got one other notice, which I'll do uh, now just to get it out of the way. Uh, we've got a young adults gathering um, this afternoon uh, because Kingswood House has been renovated. Uh, we've changed the location of that and so if you're wanting to come uh, but have not got the new address then see me at the end of the service and I'll be able to tell you uh, where that is. One o'clock while about half past three Chris is going to be speaking. We've got lunch provided. So that's for anyone who is um, like 17 upwards. I don't know when you stop being a young adult. 97. I remember one of the worst days of my life was at an AOG conference when I went to the Young Leaders Seminar and I was told I was too old to get in. And that was about 10 years ago, so I still feel like I'm, I'm young and energetic. Come on. Um, right, if you've got a Bible, will you turn with me to Luke 24? Luke 24. God's good, isn't he? Um, we had a great service last Sunday. I don't know if you can remember. I sometimes like forget like what I preached last time I spoke. Never mind what anybody else preached. But we had a great Pentecost Sunday, didn't we, last week? Jared was preaching on deep calls unto deep. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of word that we all need to hear, right? We all need to go deeper into the things of God. I don't know if this word this morning is for everyone, but I know that it's, for, it's for, certainly for some of us this morning. Are we okay to have a bit of an honest one this morning? Is that okay? We'll take the Christian Sunday morning mask off for a moment and, uh, and just kind of deal with some, uh, some real life stuff this morning. Luke 24, I want to read from verse 13. It says, now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what were you discussing together as you were walking along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. Anyone else think that Jesus was just laughing hysterically on the inside while they're telling Jesus all about Jesus? Um, um, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. 
And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are. Isn't Jesus just great? I love how un-PC Jesus was. Um, I'm not sure we could get away with that as leaders these days, could we? But there's Jesus. How foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Would anyone like the replay of that Bible study when they get to heaven? Anyone else? As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven together, um, the eleven and those with them assembled together saying, it's true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized them, recognized by them when he broke bread. Amen. It's one of my favorite uh, passages in, in the Bible. Um, so you've got two disciples. Um, one of them is a, a guy called Cleopas. Now, um, Church history tells us, uh, and both Catholic and Orthodox tradition, both say that Cleopas was the brother of Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. Um, And so if that's true, we can't prove it, but it's what a lot of the early church fathers said and what church history tells us, that this guy Cleopas was the uncle of Jesus. And so this man had been brought up knowing Jesus as a little boy. Now the other disciple is not named, but um, again, a lot of uh, church historians think that it was actually a woman um, called Mary, who was either the daughter or probably the wife of Cleopas. So this is actually probably a married couple. Cleopas and then Mary, who was one of the women who was gathered around the cross as Jesus was being crucified. Uh, So you know that when Jesus was being crucified, all the men ran away, but there were a group of women stood around the cross watching Jesus as he took his final breaths. And a lot of church historians tell us that one of those women was Mary, the, the daughter 
daughter or most likely the wife of Cleopas. And it was this married couple or possibly a father and daughter who are on their way from Jerusalem just three days after they have witnessed the death of Jesus. So this is a couple of, of disciples who knew Jesus incredibly well. They have known Jesus probably his entire life. And for three and a half years, they have been gathered around Jesus as he has preached a sermon on the mount. They've watched him turn water into wine. They've watched him multiply food and feed 5,000. They've watched him open blind eyes. They've watched him as paralyzed people have got up and walked again. They've watched him cast out demons. They've watched him raise uh, Lazarus from the dead. And at some point, they began to realize that this person that they've grown up with and known their whole lives, there was something special about him. And they began to realize that this man could well be the Messiah. This one could well be the one who was sent by God to redeem Israel. And they put their faith and their trust and all of their hope in him. And so they have believed that this Jesus, at some point, he was going to redeem Israel. He was going to overthrow the Romans. He was going to restore the kingdom back to the Jews. He was going to fulfill all the Old Testament prophecies. This was their faith. This was their hope. This was their expectancy. This was their vision. This is what they'd given their lives for. Instead, what have they got? A cross. Nails. A betrayal. Death. Defeat, as far as they were concerned. Can you imagine how heartbreaking that must have been? That the one that they put all their faith in, all their hope in, all their trust in, they had watched as he took his final breath and they'd watched as his body was taken away. And you can read the words of what they said here. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And more than just the words that they say that we see written on the pages... I don't know about you, but I can just sense the emotion that's coming out here. I can sense disappointment. I can sense grief, disillusionment, discouragement, hurt. And it says, what's, they said, what's more, this is the third day. Why is that significant? Because obviously the third day he said he was going to rise from the dead and nothing has happened yet. The prophecy was on the third day he's going to be alive again. On the third day he's going to raise from the dead. And as they're looking around, as far as they are concerned, it's the third day and nothing has happened. Then it gets even worse because the prophets start prophesying. So, so the, the angels come and tell us that he's alive, but we ain't seen anything. You know, 
Can I be honest with you? You know, when Jared gets discouraged, which sometimes happens, he goes to prophets. Um, you know, the, when I'm discouraged, the last person I want to go to is a prophet. Does anyone else, when you're discouraged, just get irritated by prophets? It's like, you know, you, you can't be bothered to come to church. You can't be bothered to get out of bed. You, you've not prayed for a week. You've not read your Bible for a month. And then the prophet says, revival is on the way. And you just think, shut up. It's a new era for the church. I'm just like, be quiet. I don't care. We've heard it all before. The prophet, you've said he's a light. I'm looking around. I can't see anything. The prophets are prophesying. It's a new day. It's a new era. The glory of God is here. But as far as you are concerned, nothing has happened. Everything's dead. It's all over. It's all finished. Anyone else feel like that sometimes or is it just me? It says that they were downcast. I mean, that, that's the, the, the first problem for a start is that they are literally looking down. Instead of looking up to heaven where the answer is, where, where the hope is, they're looking down. They've got their eyes on the ground, their eyes on the circumstances, their eyes on all the things that are going wrong. And I can just sense the weariness and the exhaustion that is in this couple. Anyone else? And the Bible says that they are walking to a place called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Now, let me ask you a question. And this is not a trick question. Where was Jesus going to rise from the dead from? What city? Where was the gospel going to be preached from? Where was the Holy Spirit going to be poured out on the day of Pentecost? Jerusalem. The power of God was going to be demonstrated in Jerusalem. The purpose of God was going to begin in Jerusalem. And the promise of God was going to be poured out in Jerusalem. Where are they going? Seven miles in the wrong direction. Because here's the thing, that who knows you don't take a sabbatical from life. Anyone wish sometimes you could just lie in bed, put your head under the covers and just have a month off. But who knows, it doesn't work like that. And the problem is that sometimes we can be so hurt and discouraged and disillusioned and fed up that we're carrying on moving, we're carrying on doing life and church and Christianity and yet we're actually moving seven miles in the wrong direction. We're carrying on doing stuff, doing Christianity, living our lives, doing the walk and yet we are moving away from the power of God. We're moving away from the purpose of God and we're moving away from the promises of God. This happens many times to churches. It happens to movements and it happens to Christians. That we start just like this couple did. Full of faith, full of fire, full of passion full of promise, 
Jesus is going to kick out the Romans. The kingdom's going to come. The nation's going to be transformed. We're going to see signs, wonders, miracles. It's going to be incredible. And yet, life happens. Stuff happens. And who knows that every day doesn't look like revival. Every day doesn't look like Lazarus come forth. Some days look like Gethsemane. Some days look like betrayal. Some days look like Golgotha. Some days the angels don't come and take you off of the cross. Some days look like Easter Saturday when absolutely nothing is happening whatsoever. And it's in those moments that we wonder what's going on. It's in those moments that we get discouraged. It's in those moments that we get fed up. It's in those moments we get weary and exhausted. In the midst of all that, which is just, you know, timeless truth that you could speak in any generation. Who knows, we've had two years of a pandemic. And you know that there's a, there's a thing going on around the world right now in churches where Christians are, I mean, this is happening in society at large. But, you know, I think a lot of us are still grieving stuff. And a lot of us are trying to process the fact that our lives have changed and that society has changed and the church has changed. And who knows, it's not easy to go through all that. You know, I was with, uh, uh, I was in um, Albania a couple of weeks ago and I was sat with a, a pastor who's a, a, you know, a dear man of God who I've not seen for, uh, for three years. And um, I said, um, I said, how's things? How's life? How's ministry? Um, and he kind of looked at me with tears in his eyes. He said, I just want to give up. He said, I just, I just want to, I just want to give up on ministry. I just want to walk away. He said, I've, I've, I was, I was a doctor. I had a good profession. And I'm thinking I just might go back to that because this ministry stuff is hard. And I said, well, why? What's been going on? He said, well, half the church has left. And he said, my worship team have left. And uh, people that I thought were with me have said that they're not with me anymore. And he said, I just feel, it feels like I've been, I've been doing this. And it felt like I was on the verge of breakthrough. And now it's like I was back to square one. And I said, do you know that that's not just you? <laughs> do you know that actually that is the same story in churches and leaders and ministers all around the world? And he, he, he looked at me amazed. He said, really? I thought, I thought it was just me. I was speaking to, to another pastor somewhere else just a few days ago. And again, he was saying, I'm just so discouraged. I just feel so attacked right now. I feel like the enemy's having a, having a field day. Who knows? We're not alone. And you know what? There are people in this room. Everyone say power. power. Everyone say purpose. Yes. Everyone say promise. You know, there are Christians that were full of the Spirit, 
full of the power of God uh, that were moving in prophecy and healing. And it's like we've gone through this period of grief and it's like you have walked away from that sense of Pentecostal power, of resurrection power that you were operating in. Uh, You know, when it comes to purpose, I know of Christians that were absolutely sold out for the call of God, for the purposes of God. They were serving God. They were in church every single meeting. They wanted to to reach the lost. They wanted to see, uh, you know, the, the community transformed. And yet again, we've gone into survival mode, where it's like we've walked away from the purposes of God, the promises of God. What, what has God promised you? Who have, who's got promises from God? Who's got promises that they can look back on over the years? And I don't know about you, but I, I, you know, it's all like, almost like I've been a season where it's like I put my prophetic journal away. Because it's like, if I can just get through another week, I'm happy. Forget all that promise stuff about changing the world and revival and all that. I just don't want to hear it. I'm just here on this dusty road to Emmaus, full of hurt, full of disappointment, full of disillusionment. It's the third day and nothing's happened yet. Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like something should have happened by now if it was going to (laughs) happen? You know, I remember, you know, being 20, thinking by the time I was 30, I would have nailed Christianity. (laughs) Anyone else? I just thought in 10 years time, sin won't be a problem anymore. You know, I, you know, I will be, the, I'll be praying for 12 hours a day. You know, I, I, you know, it's like by the time I'm 30, I'll be walking into rooms and bodies will be flying everywhere. And it's like now I'm like, okay, my, maybe by the time I'm 50. <laughs> you know, there are some people here, you, you thought that issue, it would have been dealt with by now. By now, I thought that I'd be married. By now, I thought that my business would have taken off. By now, I thought that I'd be in ministry. By now, I thought that I'd got that. I'd have been healed by now. I'd been prayed for that many times. If it was going to happen, surely it would have happened by now. You know, what about us as a church? I, you know, b- oh, by now, we, you know, we should surely have more people saved and more campuses and more buildings. And surely if God was going to do something, it would have happened by now. It's the third day and nothing has happened. But here is the most beautiful part of this story. That while they're walking seven miles in the wrong direction, fed up, Burnt out, discouraged, disillusioned. Jesus goes out of his way to walk with them. He says he walked with them. Now I have searched church history books trying to find out why Jesus would go out of his way to meet with these two. I thought, I'm going to turn up Sunday morning and blow their minds because I found somewhere in church history that Cleopas started a megachurch that brought revival and he had this incredible ministry. Do you know what happened to this two afterwards? We don't know. 
they had never, I thought he'd go out of his way because th- these guys were going to change the world. They were going to have some incredible ministry. You know, they're never mentioned again. But Jesus was just so kind that he wouldn't let them walk away without bringing them back to that place of power, to that place of purpose, and back to that place of promise. And like I said, I don't know if this is for everyone this morning, but I feel that for many of us in this room, it's like we've had two years of walking down a dusty road, and Jesus is coming, saying, church, I'm walking with you when you're discouraged. I'm walking with you when you're fed up. I'm walking with you when what you thought was going to happen has not happened by now. And I am taking you by the hand and I'm bringing you back to that place of power. I'm bringing you back to that place of purpose. I'm bringing you back to the promises of God. He said, how, he said to them, how slow of heart. It literally means how dull. How unresponsive. That's how you know that you're on an Emmaus road. When you are unresponsive to the things of God. The, 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 the crazy thing is you can be on an Emmaus road and not realize it. If you'd have said to that couple, you don't recognize Jesus. They would have laughed in your faces. They wouldn't have believed it. But here was Jesus talking to them. And they didn't even realize it. You know, we can be going in the wrong direction and not even realize it. We can be in revival and not even respond to it. And we know that when our hearts are unresponsive to the things of God, when we're no longer moved in worship, when we're no longer moved to pray, when our hearts are no longer moved by the lost, when you're in a prayer meeting and someone stands up and says, you know, let's pray for for this community. Let's pray for souls. Let's pray for the church. And your heart doesn't feel anything. It's because you're in a place where life has just beaten out of you the power and the passion and the promise. But isn't Jesus so gracious and so kind and so lovely that when we're walking away, he comes running after us and says, I'm bringing you back. Why? Because I'm going to have a worldwide ministry. No, just because I love you. Just because I love you. And he doesn't let, even the most insignificant saint, he doesn't let them walk away without giving them a chance and an opportunity to return. And so here is what I feel God is wanting to do. I believe there are people here this morning and God is wanting to take you back to a place of power. God is wanting to fill you afresh with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe there are people here and God is returning you back to a place of purpose. 
whether you're in a, whether you're in church leadership or whether Jared is, Jared was saying whether you're a school teacher or a nurse or a doctor, I believe that God wants to return you back to that place. I am called by God to bring His kingdom. I've got a purpose. God's got a plan, a call, a destiny for my life, and I am returning back to that place where, with everything I've got, I'm fulfill, I'm pursuing the call and the plan and the purpose that God's got for me. And I believe there are people here and God is wanting you to return to the promises that he has spoken over your life. Some of you have put those promises down thinking if it was God, it would have happened by now. No, friends, God is not a liar. God does not say things and then not fulfill it. I tell you that there are people here, you need to brush off those prophetic journals. You need to brush off those prophetic words and get back to what God has said to you because now is the time and I believe for 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 us a church we've had two years of this pandemic where it's like we've been we've been proved pruned uh, we've been um you know it's been it's been tough hasn't it but he is I, I don't know if it's God I don't know if it's the devil I don't know if it's us but I do know this I believe that Jesus is coming to his church saying revive church it's time to get back to the power of the Holy Spirit it's time to get back to what I've called you to a house of glory a house of miracles a house of revival it's time to get back to the purpose of God which is seeing souls saved seeing community Communities transformed, seeing lives touched and saved, seeing families restored and communities impacted by the gospel. It's time to get back to the promises of God. God has said that this place will be a house of prayer. It will be a house that impacts nations. It will be a place that transforms this region. It will be a hub of glory, a, a house of revival. And Jesus is coming to us and saying, look, you've wandered down the dusty road long enough. I'm taking you back to the power, to the purpose, and to the promises of God. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? So real quickly, it says that he, how does he do it? He opens the scriptures. Who knows, we've got to get back to the word of God. We've got to get back to what God says. We've got to feed ourselves on the word of God. Some of us, the reason why we're discouraged is we spend all our time Watching BBC, ITV, Sky News. Sometimes, you know, the best thing we can do to, dis, to, to cheer ourselves up is hit the off switch and pick up the Word of God. Get back to the Word of God. Get back to, the, uh, to what God says. What does God say about you? What does God say about His church? It says He opened the Scriptures and He showed them everything that was there about Himself. Twice in this passage, he shows them himself. First in the scriptures and then in the breaking of bread. Both times, what was he doing? He was getting their attention on him. Find me in the scriptures. Find me in the place of communion. Who knows that the answer is Jesus. Sometimes when we're discouraged, what we think is we just need a change of environment and sometimes that can be good but I think sometimes what some of us need is not a new job or a new church or a new house some of what we need is a new revelation of Jesus actually you're in the right place but our eyes have been closed to Jesus and I believe that this morning anyone here just 
in a moment, I, I'm just going to pray together. And my prayer this morning is, I need to see Jesus afresh. Anyone else? I'm discouraged. I'm fed up. I'm disappointed. I feel like my life is heading in the wrong direction. God, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. He is powerful. He is beautiful. He is awesome. He is worthy. He is victorious. He's on the throne. He's building his church. He's pouring out his spirit. And he is alive. Hallelujah. I think 99.9% of our problems will be solved with just a fresh glance of Jesus. Just seeing his face afresh. Hallelujah. It says that he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. If you study that in the Greek, it's actually... It's a physical thing, like they literally grabbed hold of him. It's like he was going and they grabbed hold of him and said, you're not going, we're not leaving you. Why? I mean, as far, they don't know that it's Jesus. But they do know this. In the presence of this man, our hearts burn. There's something about when this guy speaks, he sets my heart on fire. And I, I want to stay with this guy a little bit longer. Because when I'm with him, my heart burns. I'm not letting you go anywhere. I don't know what's going to happen in my life or your life or in the life of the church in six months, 12 months, five years, 10 years. I always worry about people that have got like 10-year visions and plans and stuff. I don't know, but I do know this. That in his presence, my heart burns. And so the best place I can position myself is where he is. Anyone else up this morning for just getting in the fire a little bit? Anyone else saying, you know what, I have no idea what's going on in me, in you, in anyone else, in the government, in the world. I have no idea. But I do know this, in his presence, my heart burns. So that's where I want to be. Hallelujah. He brought bread and he gave it to them. Who knows that Jesus has got something to give you this morning? He's got grace to give you. He's got a word to give you. He's got a promise to give you. You might be one of those people saying, I've never had a promise from God. Well, he's got bread to give you this morning. He's got a word. He's got a promise. He's got a call. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. I do know this, that when Jesus is at the table, he's never empty-handed. He's always got something to give. He's got miracles to give this morning. He's got healing to give. He's got blessing to give. Hallelujah. And it says, he gave them bread and he, what does it say? It says that he gave thanks. Now, this is powerful because that Greek word, it's a Greek word, uh, eulogio. um, And it doesn't just mean, thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. It means that he began to celebrate with praise. You know, there's something, isn't there, about being in the atmosphere of praise. I, I love how, you know, Jesus is great, isn't he, that, you know, they weren't praising. 
You know, you imagine just being sat opposite two fed up, miserable Christians. I think I've been there once or twice. In fact, I was probably probably one of them. Um, and but Jesus does not allow them to influence his prayers. He stands up at the table and begins to praise his Father. And it's in this atmosphere of praise and worship. Jesus is giving them bread. Jesus is at the table with them. It says suddenly their eyes are opened and they recognize him. It's the word gnosko. It means that they intimately knew him. And what does it say? At once they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They returned back to the place of power. They returned back to the place of purpose. They returned back to the place of promise. And sometimes the way forward is the way back. We know that methods change. We know that the way we do church and ministry changes. But there are some things that do not change. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need to fulfill the purpose of God. Go into all the world and make disciples. And we need to get back to the promises of God. What has God called you to do? What is your part in this incredible plan that God has? To do exactly what Jared said. Bring the kingdoms of this world to that place where they become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyone need to see Jesus afresh this morning? Anyone fed up of going down that Emmaus road? Some of you will know that the name Jerusalem means a city of peace and again some of you will know that the Hebrew word for peace is shalom and it means wholeness so God took them back to a place of wholeness and here's the thing in 50 days time from then the fire was going to fall. In 50 days' time, the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. In 50 days, the gospel was going to be preached. And thousands were going to come to Christ. And a city was going to be shaken. And do you know what? They would have missed it. They would have missed it if they'd have just carried on in the direction they were going in. And listen, I'm not a super optimistic prophet. I'll be honest, when Jared shares some of his prophetic stuff and some of the stuff from his prophetic friends, I get a bit irritated sometimes. So I'm like, really? I know. I, uh, we get all the confessions out when I'm, I'm preaching, but... It's like, really, revival again, outpouring again, new thing again. But I am convinced that there is something stirring. 
that there is something bubbling. And I know this, that if I carry my hurt and my pain and my baggage and my weariness of the past few years, I will miss out on my day of Pentecost. Jesus wants to bring us back to the place of wholeness, to the place of healing. So the final 15 minutes this morning, we're going to have a healing service. But it's not going to be healing for broken broken bones or broken bodies, although we're up for all that if God does it. But this is healing for broken hearts. God, I've just been going down that Emmaus road. I'm in a place where I've been discouraged and disappointed. But I know you've got an upper room waiting for me. I know you've got a day of Pentecost for me. I know there's a place. You've got a flame of fire for my head. 120 people in that upper room. 120 flames of fire. One of those flames of fire was for Cleopas. One of those flames of fire was for his wife Mary. And they were, they, were going, they, were, they were missing it. They were going seven miles in the wrong direction. But Jesus was so kind that he brought them back. I'm standing this morning because I'm responding to my own preach. It was, it was that good. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I, I, like Moses, I am the most humble man that ever lived. Yes, written by Moses, if you didn't get the joke. But come on, if you need to respond this morning, will you just stand with me? I wonder what God wants to do in 50 days time I want to be a part of it anyone else God right now would you take us back to that place of power God would you take us back to that place of purpose God would you take us back to the promises that you've spoken over us oh God Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, just open, lift your hands right now and just receive the bread that Jesus wants to give. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, Shimon of Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to open up the front this morning. We might not all get out the front, but if you're like, I, I, just, I just need to respond to this by coming out to the front this morning. Then just come out right now. Some of you might want to just respond where you are. That's fine. But I just believe that some right now, you're like, yeah, I need to come out and respond this morning. I just need that fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. 
I need to get back. Hallelujah. I know that God has called me. I know there's a flame for my head and I want to get there. Listen, it's not about sin. It's not about repenting from sin. It's just life happens, stuff happens and we get we get weary, we get discouraged, we get disappointed. It happens to all of us. But Jesus is so kind that he comes and says, I'm walking with you and I'm bringing you back. Oh, Jesus. Come on, just let's just begin to worship right now all over this place. Oh, Ramashimono Ramanayana. Oh, Simono Ramanayana. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Ramanayana, Simono Yana. Oh, Ramashimono Yana, Simono. Oh, Ramashimono Vadano Ramanayana. Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh Ramana Ramasikoromanoyana. Oh Ramasiva da Koromanoyana. Oh Simonoyana Simona. Just pray right now that you just get a glimpse of Jesus afresh. Oh Ramasimono Ramanayana. Oh return us, O God, to our first love. Return us, O God, to that vision of you, Jesus. Oh Ramasimonoyana. I want to prophesy over other people today. You have not missed it. You have not missed it. You have not missed it. They said it's the third day. It should have happened by now. It was happening. It was there right in front of them. You've not missed out on your healing. You've not missed out on your breakthrough. You've not missed out on your calling. Even if you were in danger of missing it, he'd run after you to bring you back. You've not missed the promises of God.